Hey ladies, welcome back to the Woman Podcast. My name is Katie Biza and I am your host. And we have just wrapped up a woman conference in 2021. It was the first time all of the women of our church have been together in two years. And it was phenomenal. If you were not there, um, I just encourage you to keep an eye out on either the podcast or on newlifechurch.tv for some of the sessions because honestly, they were so incredible. Um, But out of that conference came a very cool resource that we are putting on the Women Podcast. It's a five-week study on the armor of God. And some of the girls in our church wrote this. You will definitely recognize their names because most of them have been on the Women Podcast. Um, Abby Ichter, Ellen Hutchinson, Nikita Reno, and my good friend Callie Duke. And each of them had a part to play in developing this study, and it is so good. So here on the One Podcast, over the next five weeks, you are going to hear each week a new teaching on the armor of God. Um, Each week, there is also a written devotional that's going to come out on Monday. You can download that on the Woman app, and you can also find it on womanconference.tv. And then with that, there are also discussion questions. So after you read the devotional and after you listen to the teaching, there are a few discussion questions that are designed for you to sit down with a group of friends and go through these questions. Because yes, of course, it's fun to learn about the Word of God and the armor of God, but even better if you can process it with friends and learn from one another. And so I just encourage you to do that. Um, It's so simple, and honestly, it would be a great, easy way for you to even start like a small Bible study with the girls you work with, um, with your friends, family, roommates. Um, It's super easy. So anyways, this first week on the Armor of God study is with Ellen Hutchinson. If you were at Woman Conference, you know this girl can teach. And so here we go. Let's listen in. Hey ladies, welcome to week one of our Armor of God study. My name is Ellen Hutchinson, and I'm so excited to dig into this topic. If you're anything like me and you grew up around church, you've heard about the Armor of God your whole life, and sometimes it can become kind of commonplace. So our heart for you in this study is that we would pause, that we would re-examine this uh, really famous passage in Scripture and, and ask, is there something that Jesus has for me that I'm leaving on the table? because we don't want to miss any of this really rich imagery that Paul has for us as believers. So my goal in this video is to kind of set up and give you some context for uh, the armor of God picture, which is actually given at the end of the letter of Ephesians. So there's six chapters, and I just want to kind of breeze through the beginning of the letter just so that we have all the context and understanding as Paul kind of sets this up for us. So Paul writes this letter in prison to the church in Ephesus. He spent a great deal of time there, actually, on some of his uh, trips uh, around the region. So he has relationship with them, and they're corresponding while he's in jail. And this is one of the letters that we get access to. So I would really encourage you to take some time this week and read it. It's only six chapters. It won't take you very long. Um, It is very profound 
and it's very practical, which is why I love it. The book is kind of cut into two clear halves. So chapters one through three are really where Paul is trying to take some time to correct some false teaching that had happened in the church of Ephesus. So he's reminding us what is true and kind of giving us a little bit more um, information on our correct theology and understanding of Jesus. And then the second half is just really practical teaching on Christian living, which I'm all about, right? I need some help. Okay. Uh, so starting in chapter one, it's so dense. Like chapter one is really, really powerful. Um, Paul starts off by praising God for his ultimate plan of salvation that we now reap the benefits of. So not only do we have reconciliation to the Father and eternity in heaven, but there's benefits that we actually have right now on this side of heaven that Paul wants us to really focus in on. And he says some really profound statements that I just want to read really quickly. Paul reminds us that in him, meaning Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. And he goes on to say that all of us also lived among them at one time, meaning like the world, the evils of the world, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And I just want to pause there because this changes everything. Everything hinges on this moment. You were dead and now you have been made alive in Christ. And so everything is different now. And so Paul starts to explain what that means for us in our daily life. And for me, when I think about the armor of God, it obviously invokes like uh, images of battle. But I'm looking right here at the top of this letter and that's our victory right there. Jesus has already paid the price and claimed me as his own. It says that I have been redeemed through his blood and that the forgiveness of sins was given to me according to the riches of God's grace. So that should be the filter that we look through this study with. Understanding that, yes, we are in a battle, but we actually are fighting from a place of victory. We are not fighting for the defeat of the enemy. We are fighting a battle from the victory of Christ for his purposes on earth. And so Paul is going to lay that out for us. And having that filter helps us understand this prayer that Paul offers the church. And in his prayer, he prays that their eyes would be opened to the hope and the revelation of Jesus. Now, this is really powerful because he does not pray that their hardships would change, but instead that they would operate in power in all circumstances. This is really powerful. Paul is writing this. He's chained to a Roman guard right now. Okay. If anybody had the right to talk about hardships, it was Paul. But instead, he prays that we would live from a place of victory, even in a broken world. And sometimes that can be very difficult, right? Some of you may be sitting in a place right now where you do not feel like you have the victory. But for reasons we probably won't understand until we see God face to face, Jesus doesn't resurrect us the moment that we believe because he has a bigger purpose for us on earth as his representatives. And so Paul starts talking about what that means for us, that Jesus said it is finished, but in some ways things were just beginning. 
the birth of the church was happening right away and they were right in the middle of it all and we were already seeing the shift in the culture right away the resurrection of Jesus it challenges and it shifts the status quo we see that Jews and Gentiles are reconciled that that's huge. I mean, that changed everything, right? God was clearly up to something that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, building the church together. So you can see God's purpose starting to take place. What started as a small select family has now been opened up to the entire world of all that would believe would be welcomed in. God chose to do this through the church. He chose to do it through the community of believers, bringing in more people. It's not you as a rogue soldier on your own. That is not how we were intended to live, and that's not how God intends for His purpose to be fulfilled on the earth. We are to be in community with other believers, and that's not always easy, which is why Paul spends an entire chapter talking about unity. So unity doesn't mean uniformity. There's beauty in the diversity of the church, right? We are are different. We come, we bring different backgrounds and different experiences and different giftings, right? And Paul says that all of that is actually to be embraced. And it's on purpose that God would create us that way and then bring us together. Now, it's not always easy to stay uh, at peace with our brothers and sisters, but God calls us to strive for it. Paul says that there is one body and one spirit just as you were called to one hope when you were called there is one lord one faith one baptism one god and father of all who is over all and through all and in all so we're all empowered by the spirit to build the church of jesus christ and i love the language that paul uses when he talks about the church the church is alive right he says that we are a new temple being built with living stones that's us what started all those years ago thousands of years ago is still continually being built and you have a part to play in that paul says that the church is the body and jesus is the head what, what an amazing picture, right? That we would be the hands and the feet, the moving body of Jesus on the earth. And to do that, we have to be different. We are called to a different way of living. And Jesus talks about taking off your old humanity and putting on the new humanity. Paul even says, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. We have been awakened to the truth of Jesus, and our lives should show the fruit of that. If the church looks like the rest of the world, something has gone wrong. We now are living in the light, and so we have to live like it. And Paul lays out this new way of living, and he gets really specific. A new way to live for wives, for husbands, for children and parents. He shows us how to serve wholeheartedly and how to value others and live as equals. That it's our job as the light of the world to show what it looks like to walk in victory. And everything that that requires is everything that the enemy hates. And so choosing to live like this puts a target on your back. And so I love that Paul finishes up by telling us that we are protected that we are not alone. We are protected not in our own strength, but by Christ himself. And that evil will try to undermine the unity of the church and the purpose of God on the earth. But remember, we have ultimate victory. And Paul gets really specific because this is important. Who are we fighting against, right? Who would try to divide us? 
the modern world tells us, look no further than the person next to you, right? This is where the division comes in. The person next to you, that's who you should be arguing with, right? I mean, everywhere you look, the division deepens with every tweet, with every newspaper headline, with every whispered gossip or, or heated debate. But Paul says the church doesn't operate like that. That's how the world operates, but that's not how we are. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against who? Not ourselves, not the infighting, right? But against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, this is important, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. This is a real spiritual battle. You know, we live in the natural world, but God tells us again and again that there is a spiritual world that in many ways is more real than the one we're even living in. And so God allows us to transcend that and look above and say, I'm not going to get lost and waste all my time arguing with things that aren't even actually the problem, right? I've got the armor of God and I'm going to win this battle using those weapons that he gave me. And so he says, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Come on, that's so good. Paul takes something that people living in the Roman Empire were very familiar with, the pieces of the Roman guard, right? The pieces of their armor. So he takes something very normal to describe a very abnormal way of living. Because if you're living and holding the shield of faith, we say weird things. We say things like, I believe in miracles, and I look at impossible situations and I speak to them in the name of Jesus. You know, we push back against the enemy when he thinks that he gained ground. You know, my husband and I, we miscarried uh, our daughter a couple years ago at 14 weeks, and when she was born, we named her Victory. And we did that as a reminder to the enemy that he's under our feet, and also to me. So when I talk about a situation that brought me grief and pain, I remember that I have victory in Jesus, and there is a life beyond this one that is more real than the one I'm even living. That is a strange thing to say. It is not the typical reaction that the world would have. But that's what Paul is calling us to. I hold the sword of faith. I don't fight like the world fights. I will hold the word of the Lord in my heart. And with that, I have the only weapon that I need. I wear the helmet of salvation. I am not taken out by thoughts of insecurity or fear. My mind and thoughts are protected by the blood of Jesus and who he says I am. I wear the shoes of peace, and whatever I do, I do it unto the Lord. And wherever I go, I make disciples to fulfill the Great Commission. And I am quick to offer encouragement and hope. And the good news of the gospel is what drives me forward. I do not live by my own plans, but by the plans of the Lord. I am held together by the belt of truth. I'm not held together by fleeting trends and philosophies, but by the unchanging words of the Ancient of Days. I wear the breastplate of Jesus's righteousness. I do not lean on my own understanding. I do not trust in my own goodness to reconcile me to the Father. It is only through Jesus that I might stand before him one day and be welcomed in. This is a new way of living. It's a new way to be human and it is the way of Jesus. It is the life that he is calling us to. This is what living a victorious life looks like on this side of heaven. So my prayer for you in this study is that it would build your confidence to suit up and step out in faith and fulfill each day the purpose that the Lord has for you.